Hey folks, welcome to episode 321 of the MLF Bass Fishing Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White. Joined for the last time from Jenkins, Minnesota by the one and only Kyle Wood. Just bringing the mood down right out the gate. Absolutely. I'm not going <laughs> to let anyone be happy. <laughs> not today of all days. Yeah, man. This is, uh, I guess, it's been a minute since we've actually uh, done a podcast, so I'm sure... You know, a lot people of people probably fans think are like, that we whoa. <laughs> yeah, they probably just think we just quit the show. Which yeah, we didn't really. There were just ten thousand tournaments, that and was then so much. And and then now we're quitting the show. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, probably maybe we'll see what the show continues to be. But Kyle, do you want to explain while we're here, or should we leave it a mystery and go ahead? Uh, I think we can, uh, I think we proceed as, as normal. And then, uh, if people want to make it to the end and find out, then that's awesome. All right. Well, folks, that's a, called a tease, I believe. Um, <laughs> we don't have a guest this week. We are just going to talk about bass fishing because there is a lot of bass fishing to talk about. Yeah. We um, got a lot of catching up to do. We're not even going to talk about all the bass fishing. Um, honestly. <laughs> just but, uh, a lot of it in the last week and a half <laughs> yeah but i guess we'll start with the pro circuit event at gunnersville um kyle what's uh what's top of mind for you on that one i guess uh you know nick lebrun getting the w on a tennessee river lake is uh that was fun especially that time of year yeah that was so obviously if you go by four day weight, Nick Hatfield had more weight than Nick LeBrun. Shout out to our boy. Um Go hat. I will also not let congrats. this die. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, on the final day, which is the one that counts, Nick LeBrun won. Uh he caught a seven pounder. He had like a really good day of fishing. Well, no, he didn't really have a good day of fishing. He had like an amazing second half of the day of fishing, like an incredible yeah. couple hour window. Which is all you need on the Tennessee River. Like, nobody's sure. the idea that this tournament was going to be won by the person who caught fish throughout the day every day. Like, that wasn't going to happen. That's not what happens on the Tennessee River. You get 20 minutes and you capitalize, you know? Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, LeBrun won fishing offshore, which is not what Nick LeBrun is really supposed to do, so to speak. No, um, no. But was very successful. Uh, very successful. He had that one spot, uh, that really, I guess, produced the large majority of all his fish and especially his 22, 15 that he weighed on the final day. Um, and you know, we kind of talked about it on day five, like Nick LeBrun catching fish offshore probably sounds weird to some, but you know, the guy also does catch him, uh, on Toledo and Sam Rayburn and, um, you know, even some lakes in Louisiana, they catch them offshore. Um, so like yeah. dragging a worm and a swim bait and all that, it's not super, uh, I guess, out of his wheelhouse. Though it is interesting because most of his good finishes have been uh, shallow water technique oriented. You know, a spinner bait, a jig, a, a plopper, a plopper, uh, a square bill, like, you know, that kind of stuff, which helps build your reputation but also it's kind of cool because this is one of those events that you got to see a guy uh kind of break that mold so to speak uh of you know maybe what the what they've got kind of pigeonholed into as a as an angler so good for lebrun yeah one thing i think is kind of cool sort of on that subject is like this tournament there was a shallow bite Right, you know, Ron mm -hmm. Nelson caught him shallow. Bobby Lane caught him shallow. Plenty of other guys got checked shallow. Like Nick LeBrun could have won this tournament shallow, and it wouldn't it it wouldn't have been a shock necessarily. Yeah. Yep. Because like that was a thing that was going on, but instead, um, like a lot of I mean, John Cox was on a lot of fantasy teams going to this event. I think, um, I suspect he was on mine for sure. Yep. <laughs> uh. But instead, he, you know, spent a couple hours at the end of practice out deep, found some fish, and they carried him to the win, which is, like, 
it's, it's pretty cool. And it's not necessarily what you'd expect, but it kind of shows like just how well-rounded your average pro angler is. Yeah. You know? Well, like the other the other wild thing is how no one else, none of these other offshore guys, because you know the bulk of the top ten were guys catching them offshore. No one else. Well, if they did find that school, they didn't really try to get on it or fish it a whole lot throughout the tournament. So it's even crazier that Lebrun found kind of a little secret offshore school, if you will, uh, that none of these other guys were running around on. You know, he mentioned that there were people you know, up the ledge farther, downstream, uh, you know, kind of within sight. But it wasn't like anyone was trying to make that same cast LeBrun was throughout the entire yeah. event, which is wild. Yeah, like Lane Olson was fishing, you know, a quarter mile up. You could see places where Nick Hatfield was fishing from there. Um, I think the only guy who sort of potentially could have could have really wanted to fish the school with him um, was Nelson. Who, oh yeah, because he was just uh, he was inside, right? He was or, yeah, he was bank. like just inside of there. That was one of like his primary bluegill bed areas, and you know he told me that I don't know if he had found those fish or there was either he found the fish or he thought that his fish had gone there, something. But had Lebrun not been there, I think Nelson probably would have fished there. Uh, but Ron's kind of the guy who like if he sees a boat like within ten miles. And, like, he's probably just not going to go there. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, yeah. Like, he's not going to pull in on... Like, he's not... <clears throat> you know, there were there were community holes down the lake where three, four, five boats kind of lined up. You know, you want to chill, like, a little bit. <laughs> um, but that wasn't LeBrun's spot, and that's not how Nelson likes to operate. So, yeah, he yeah. was he was golden, um, which is huge. You know, <clears throat> I, I suspect most... A lot of guys had something offshore to themselves at least for a little while but i think lebrun probably spent the most time alone on an offshore spot of anyone else in the field and yeah definitely that obviously was important uh i think probably his commitment to that area was also just really important you know i drove by him so many times while he was just <laughs> fishing right there yep and I was like, man, there's Nick LeBrun again. There's Nick LeBrun again. And uh, by the end of that tournament, you know, I'm sure there were more fish coming to it every day. And by the end, like, dude, Nick, I mean, you saw, we, on day five, you know, he had all these casts lined up, like, exactly. Like, mm -hmm. he was not stumbling around out there. By the end, he had that area, like, super dialed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and I cool. suppose, you know, he that confidence he got from, or or to stay in that area. A, you know, he was he was catching fish. B, it didn't really sound like he had a whole lot of other things going on. And C, that screenshot he showed us from practice when he idled over that spot. Like, I mean, if that's what I saw, uh, <laughs> and I didn't have a whole lot else, I'd be like, well, sooner or later they'll probably bite. <laughs> you know, like. Because uh, there was a pile of them down there uh, in that screenshot. No, that was only, you know, the ones that you could actually see clearly on on the side imaging. Yeah, for sure. One on that kind of, it's a little bit on the LeBrun note. It's a little bit tournament-wide. A lot of spotted bass weighed in in this one. A lot of and spotted I know, bass, yeah. I know that Gunnersville, like, the spotted bass bite has been better lately. They're getting bigger, et cetera, et cetera, but... That was still pretty interesting to me. I didn't really expect that. Yeah, because Shuff, didn't Shuffield weigh like a four-pounder or three-and-three-quarter spotted bass on day two or three, something like that? Mm, I don't remember that specifically, but definitely there were some good ones. I think LeBrun weighed a couple throughout the event. Yep, he did. I think Hatfield might even have weighed one. I am almost sure Shuffield did. I think that Neil might have weighed one too, like... There were some there were some good spots caught in that derby, which is mm -hmm. kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, and again, just you know, kind of different uh, from what you would expect, given the weights throughout. You know, the uh, really especially the first three days of the event, where guys were catching them really good, not like huge numbers of fish, but the weight was there, 
and to think that some of those limits had a spotted bass in it is uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was also overall like, it was a really good tournament. It was probably the best tournament of the year so far, I would say. Which uh, we we joked about as in on the water coverage crew, because every day at, during weigh-in we'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, all these twenty-pound limits, nineteen-pound limits. And the whole time we're like, we haven't seen a fish get caught. <laughs> like we we were so um, in a bad rotation for watching these good limits get caught by guys, um, which you know I guess is part of the nature of some of that offshore stuff. And uh, you know like a Bobby Lane or or a Ron Nelson who was catching them, um, you know on on like bluegill beds and and kind of that later in the day. Uh, you know, sun gets up, kind of helps that bite a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, if you would have just based it on talking to what we saw in the water, you know, and you, me, Joe, uh, Rob, you'd have been like, wow, these guys aren't catching anything on Gunnersville." But you look at the weights uh, or, you know, watch watch the weigh-in every day, and you were like, dang. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was impressive how off our game we were. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, I'm not going to say we took bad pictures, but man, we were not dialed in. No. Um, Cause there are times where it's like you run up to a guy, bam, three pounder, you run to the next guy, bam, three pounder, next guy, bam, three pounder. And here it'd be like, I'd go to a guy, I'd sit there for 30 minutes. They'd catch nothing. I'd leave. <laughs> they'd catch a four pounder. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> it was like just such the worst luck, but I guess, you know, that happens sometimes. Yeah, other um, than the first day I pulled up on Jeff Bridges, catching him on a frog. And, oh, yeah, you crushed that. You know, I was like, oh, dude, this tournament's going to be awesome because that was a couple hours into the tournament. Like, here we go, baby. And, you know, I guess looking back, that was that was kind of where I peaked. <laughs> was dude, That was like the, the most first, action I saw all week. <laughs> the first day, the first person I stopped on was Blake Hall. Watched him catch like a three-and-a-half-pounder. I'm like, all right, this is good. I... Don't know that I saw a keeper caught the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I, like, think, I think what I was are you the doing? same way. <laughs> I think I was the same way. <laughs> and that first day, I watched Bobby Lane fish. I watched Rusty Seleski fish. I watched any number, like, I watched any number of people, like, who are theoretically good at fishing. Fish. Nothing. <laughs> anyway. What well, such is life. Um... Shall we talk a little AOI? Yeah, because, uh, you know, we got four tournaments under our belt now, and uh, things are starting to take pretty good shape with uh, just a, just two left to go, I guess, right? Yes, two to go. Kyle, you won't be there. I'm sure you won't pay any attention at all. I'll call you sometime tell you what happens. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, Spencer Shuffield has the lead, 732 points. Josh Butler in second, 720 points, which is not very many points back. This is close, no. folks. Um, John Hunter in third, 695, which is like, um, it's a chunk back, but it's not an insurmountable amount back, I don't think, with two yeah, events left. Definitely not. And then Michael Neal in fourth with 685 points, and then... 5th, 6th, 7th, and realistically 8th all have between 677 and 670 points. So a 7-point spread. And it's Matt Becker, Jacopo Galelli, Justin Lucas, Rusty Seleski. Oh, and Rusty Seleski. I was going to yeah. just say Mitch Crane, but he's further back. <clears throat> uh, so anyway, we got ourselves a fun one. What yeah, do you think? It's, well, I mean, you're right. Like, most of these guys, really, like you said, you kind of get down to Hunter. Eh, not crazy out of it. Michael Neal uh, definitely would have some work to do. Uh, like he says in the very lovely AOI article you put together. Uh, oh, I thank you. That he thinks he'd have to top 10 the next couple and that Sheffield would really have to stub his toe pretty much. But uh, he says it's possible. And I think... 
to an extent, I think some weird stuff is still possible because of the James River and just how kind of new it is to a lot of guys. Um, you know, I, I feel like sometimes when we have these, when we have events on semi-unfamiliar fisheries, or I guess you could almost, you know, with the James being a tidal fishery, if you kind of look at it like the Potomac, even though they're they're different, but just from a, you know, region of the country aspect, the Potomac usually screws a lot of guys up. Uh, Brian Thrift, right? Really good at catching bass. Uh, Not good there. Semi terrible at catching bass on the Potomac. Uh, yeah. Well, I have seen him catch a number of bass on the Potomac. He just typically doesn't catch big enough ones. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know? <laughs> I guess. Uh, but you know, for for a lot of these guys, there's not a ton of experience when it comes to uh, fishing the James. I think John Hunter's probably maybe the most veteran of them on the James. Uh, if you're looking at the top four, anyway, you know, between Neil Hunter, um, Butler, and Sheffield. Yeah, I think I think Hunter's the guy who's got the previous tournament experience there. Not that it's like Sterling. I mean, he's done all right there before. Yep. But recently, it's not like oh man, John Hunter definitely going to crack him at James. Yeah. Now, the thing that kind of could be a decent separator, or not a separator, but kind of level the playing field a little bit. I'm pretty sure every one of these guys, except Michael Neal, I guess I don't know about John, but I know that Butler, I know Hatfield, I know Shuffield, like, these guys are going to the James. They're probably driving there while we're talking. Mm -hmm. And they're going to look around, they're going to put some time in. I, I will say, I'm sure things will change between now and the tournament, but I don't think it's a terrible time to pre-practice right now. With the tournament coming up, like they are still, they're postponed now. They're going to be postponed then, you know. Yep. So, I guess what I'm saying is, hopefully, these guys will get there. They'll be well prepared, and it'll it'll really turn into just like a true fishing skills, uh, you know, scenario as opposed to, hey, this guy has these years of local knowledge, and yeah. That sort of thing. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, great point. And if it comes to that, like, again, if we're just looking at the top four in points, they're all pretty good at just fishing. Uh, yeah. So I think it's kind of uh, an interesting uh, AOI race from the standpoint of what this next event, the James, is, and then closing it out on Champlain because Champlain will be pretty cool and unique let's say things stay you know how they are uh these guys are going to be able to kind of fish however they want you know that fits their strength if josh butler wants to go catch large mouse josh butler can go catch large mouse you know if shuff wants yeah. to go mess around with some small mouse offshore have at it shuff uh which will be really really cool to see aoi come down to you know kind of pure fishing ability and doing it the way they like to do it uh, which also shout out to Champlain for having that uh, level of diversity. Yeah. I, so remember, I think it was 2019, Cox and Dudley were tied going into Champlain, basically. Mm-hmm. At that tournament, it really felt like it Dudley was going to win. Just because, not because I didn't think Cox could do well, but just because he's a guy who never finishes out of the top five at Champlain. You know what I mean? Yep. Granted... I used to think that about Scott Martin, and we all saw what happened in the Elite Series last year. It was very embarrassing for him. True, Yeah, true that. Almost um, as embarrassing as the time you beat him on day five. Or the time I caught four fish on day one of a Bass Open on Champlain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I want to jump off a bridge. Um, anyway, point being... I kind of get similar vibes from Shuff. Like, you put that guy around smallmouth, I don't see how he finishes outside of the top 15, top 10 at Champlain. And I feel a similar way about Neil, but, you know, I, I just think that... I think unless Shuffield, like, really sucks at the James, he's... And I say sucks. Like, if Shuffield finishes, like, below 30th like 50th 60th something like that at the james then i mm -hmm. think he's got a problem 
But I think if he just does pretty good, he probably goes in with a slight lead at Champlain, and I think he likes that. Yeah. Yep. Um, the other thing, while we're on the topic, so, you know, Michael Neal, current AOI, is in fourth. He would be the first pro since 1998 to win an AOI with a finish below 100th. Wow. Um, Denny Brower won AOI in 1998. Do you know what he did in 1998? Uh, besides be awesome? I don't know. Okay. Well, one of the keys is that he was awesome. The other key was that at Lake Toho, he finished 115th. He then proceeded in the subsequent events of the year to finish 9th at Sam Rayburn, 8th at Wheeler Lake, 9th at Beaver Lake, I believe, 5th at Kentucky Lake, 12th at the Forestwood Open, and 8th at the Mississippi River. He put together 1, 2, 3, 4, 4, and then 4 top 10s, then a 12th place finish, then an 8th place finish. Goodness gracious. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, shout out to Denny... Brower for being like the most baller of all time. Whoa. Um, yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is if Michael Neal does win, it's not even going to be as dope as that because Michael Neal like has had a good year and he's finished below 100 once, but none of these other guys are setting a Denny Brower esque pace. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they're doing yeah. well, but not that well. <laughs> oh my gosh. On the rookie of the year side of things, it's uh, it's it's similarly tight, I would say, um, and uh, the the rookies like are catching them really good. Um, Nick Hatfield's in first. Um, Blake Hall is in second. He and then Andrew Loberg is in third in points. All three of those guys have a pretty big lead, I would say, over Keith Carson, mm-hmm. who is fourth in points. Um. By AOI standings, it's 10th for Hatfield, 16th for Blake Hall, 20th for Loberg, then 44th for Keith Carson. Um, I feel like we can fairly safely talk about the top three, but I wouldn't. I don't want to totally count out our lower down folks. What do you think? Um. Y- yeah. I mean, I would definitely agree that it seems kind of like a three-horse race. But also, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Keith Carson, you know, throws up back-to-back top tens and, uh, you know, one or two of those guys in the top three stumble a little bit. And uh, I'm not saying Keith's going to win, but he could make it a little interesting. But I think you're right that the gap between Loberg and Keith Carson is like, oh, gosh, math, like 50, over 50-something points. And then, well, even Newcomb, who's right behind Carson, basically. And, you know, Mickey Beck, Jeff Bridges, those guys, like, you start getting down in there uh, for ROI. And I just think the the mountain's a little too big to climb at this point. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I will say I think Carson is, like, perfectly suited to the James and he has experience on Champlain and, like, loves fishing there and could do well there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at the same time, like, you know, I think, like, Hatfield is going to practice at the James now. I think he could do well there. I know he's well-suited for Champlain. He just came off a really successful Northern Division of the Toyota Series last year. Yep. Um. Loberg, I think, is definitely well-suited for the James. He's going to practice there. And I know he's well-suited for Champlain because he's from out west, and every western dude crushes smallmouth. So, it, like, it is kind of fact, yeah. <laughs> I just... I, I and, and Blake Hall, like, you know, I think he could do well at the James. He could do well at the uh, at Champlain. But I, I don't think... From, like, a skills standpoint, I think Hall is the guy who, like, he needs to, he has the highest mountain to climb, in my estimation. Not saying yeah. he won't do it, but either way, like, I, 
I think there's just a lot of good potential ahead of Keith and a pretty big gap. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, do you have... I mean, I, I didn't necessarily, like, bank on having Blake Hall in contention for Rookie of the Year. Not because I didn't think it was good, but more because there's sort of a lot of rookies who I thought would be really good who have kind of scuffled. Um, you know, probably Phil Dutra... Keith Carson and Andy Newcomb, like, kind of chief among them. Not that they're doing terrible or anything, but, like, those guys were, like, pretty high-flying anglers coming into the year, and they've kind of been, like, okay as pros now. Yeah. Um, are there any sort of surprises or, like, thoughts you've got on the Rookie of the Year race as a whole? Yeah, I I think uh, I would probably have to echo what you said. Nothing against Blake Hall, but... Uh... I really thought Keith Carson or Andy Newcomb would probably be like right up in the mix at this point in the season. Same goes with Dutra. Um, you know, I think a lot of the other guys that are sitting in the top 10 now, uh, Mickey Beck, Jeff Bridges, Sean Goodwin, Steve Lopez, uh, you know, good anglers. I just kind of thought the Andy Newcomb and Keith Carson uh, were going to lead the charge a little more than they had. And, uh, you know, shout out to Blake Hall, shout out to Hatfield, really for tearing it up these last couple events. And uh, I think Loberg, uh, on the flip side of like, you know, who who's kind of the shocker of ROI, Loberg I think is right there with where we kind of figured he'd be. Like, dude, just be steady catching him. Uh, you know, on on par to make the title, uh, still in the hunt for ROI. Like, uh, you know. Big yeah. fan of how Loberg's performed this year, I guess. I think the question mark for Loberg was, can he adjust to the East Coast quickly, right? It wasn't anything about, is he cut out for this level of competition? Because yep. I think we yep. all, you don't win two Toyota Series events, even in the Western Division, in a year, like by accident. Like Exactly. You're probably good enough. And uh, turns out, he like definitely is. He's adjusted faster than we thought he would and he looks like i mean literally a superstar in the making right Mm -hmm. like nick hatfield leading rookie of the year doing phenomenal he got to fish two tournaments on places he's fished like a bunch you know pickwick and and uh gunnersville yeah at pickwick he caught him on a shad spawn a thing he does in east tennessee all the time Loberg will still tell you he's never seen a shad spawn. He has no idea what they are. <laughs> right. Which, so, like, it's kind of, you know, he has he has done incredibly well despite having just a mountain of, you know, information and experience against him. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, like, even if Loberg doesn't win this one, this is – this rookie of the year race, I think that there's a very good chance that we look at it and we say, well, you know, five, 10 years from now, if there's like a superstar in this rookie class, like there's a very good chance Loberg is one of them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, on that note, let me just quick hit our rookie of the year predictions that folks made back in January. Shall I? Oh yeah. All right. Now, I do this, one, because I always like bringing them up. Two, because I like being right about stuff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Justin predicted Keith Carson. Chris Jones predicted Andrew Loberg. Uh, Jody White predicted Nick Hatfield. Marty Stone predicted Andy Newcomb. Brandon Rowan, Philip Dutra, Kyle Wood, Keith Carson, JT Kenny, Blake Hall. with JT with the pull. Hey, now. Chad McKee, Lance Oligschlager. That oh, is not working out so well. Not, yeah, not as good. Um, Jimmy Washam, Steve Lopez, Alex Davis, Keith Carson. Um, so a lot of Keith Carson love, and he's not out of it. Um, but uh, definitely like a pretty good, pretty good spread in there. We were, we were throwing some darts. Yeah. Except Keith Carson. Everyone's like, yeah, Keith Carson, he's the man. Well, Which, and I think it was it was hard to argue with it like beforehand because you're like, well. Keith has fished, you know, more of these bodies of water, more a little more experience around the country, and 
with the schedule the way it was, like with a, you know, an April Pickwick and a May Gunnersville, you were kind of thinking like, yo, this guy's going to be able to catch from shallow for like every event this year. And, uh, you know, putting him in his wheelhouse, that was kind of the reasoning behind Keith for me and probably why a lot of other guys were like, yo, Keith Carson's the guy. But uh, lo and behold, Jody coming strong with the Hatfield pick. Yeah, being a Hatfield homer has worked a lot, except at the Harris chain this year. (laughs) Um, I think that the Keith Carson thing, that's the way the schedule has worked out to this point has almost worked against him a little bit. Because Pickwick and, I I can't deny Pickwick and Gunnersville should have been good shallow events for him, you know? Not that he did terribly. Right. But Rayburn was not a shallow event. And it, it was incredible that he did as well as he did, you know? And yeah, then for sure. Florida obviously was perfect, but I feel like he's kind of he's kind of proven himself so far to be even more like John Cox than we thought he was, you know? Mhm. Like it there's uh there's just some times where John would be superhuman and you'd be like, "Oh my god, how is John Cox doing this?" And Keith is perhaps not quite as good at being John Cox as John Cox is. Um no offense That's to fair. Keith. <laughs> that's fair you know <laughs> um but anyway i i'm definitely uh i'm definitely looking forward to the rest of both of our rookie potential rookie of the year our rookie and aoi races um, yeah they're gonna be good I also i also think this is a thing that you will appreciate um we're gonna have updated standings on the website for these next two events after each cut day so, oh my goodness. Now, we didn't get them for day one yet. I'm working on that. But at the end of weighing on day two, you're going to be able to roll up and see like what the actual standings are, which is huge. Dude, <laughs> that's freaking um, sweet. So that's a, that's like a very exciting thing. We still don't... Rookie of the Year isn't broken out separately, so you have to know who the rookies are, obviously. But... There's going to be, it will be easier than ever to follow the standings as the as these this year winds down, which I'm excited about. Nice. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else from Gunnersville? Any other pro circuit stuff? What are we feeling? No, man. I think we uh, I think we covered that bad boy pretty uh, pretty well. All right. I guess we'll do the Toyota series from the Harris chain, which honestly, I kind of want to just skim just because, not because it's boring or terrible or anything, but it's just, there's a lot of Toyota series tournaments, man. And, uh, (laughs) ain't no doubt about that. Um, I could go for like just slightly fewer of them and it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Um, (laughs) but anyway, uh, Jonathan Cemento won. He, caught this is a southern division event by the way he caught 100 he was in 119th place on day one he caught four bass and he caught like 25 pounds each of the next two days to win (laughs) uh i think he was in seventh or something like that going out on the final day yep yep uh basically the only guy fishing in lake griffin um fishing just offshore grass with chatterbait not anything special but uh dude crushed him the last two days and somehow overcame like a just horrific first place so shout out (laughs) that was incredible yeah yeah that was uh it was funny i was talking to rob newell the other day who was down there covering it and um he's like man before the tournament i I tried to ask guys like yo what's up with griffin and everyone's like oh man it's terrible there's dirty water like you can't get a bite you can't get a bite it's impossible uh don't even bother going there so you know, by going into the final day, most of the top ten were fishing uh, other lakes. Other lakes, you know. Uh, Charles and Rob didn't even bother to go there. Well, two of the top ten came from Griffin. <laughs> the winner and tenth place, <laughs> both fishing <Classic>. in Griffin. <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh, I mean, look, there's a reason so many people run to Griffin, right? Like it's a good lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like it's got a really good mix. Like year over year, it seems like it produces, but 
it's a pain in the neck to get to, and uh, you can really stub your toe over there, as uh, Cemento proved on day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, wow, what a what a dang comeback, though. Dude, incredible. Uh, in second, Andrew Reddy uh, probably has the best hair in the tournament, I would say. Oh, definitely uh, the best lettuce, for sure. Um, he was, like, mostly fishing a frog under docks, which was pretty dope. There was actually a really good shallow bite in this tournament. Um, we kind of yeah. got used to the Harris chain being an offshore derby in the last few years. But this one, like, there were a lot of guys in canals, there were a lot of blue, lot of bluegill bed action, a lot of dock action, a lot of frogs, a lot of sankos. Like, that was a very... I'm not saying it was surprising necessarily because it's a way people catch fish down there, but it was a different take on it, which is pretty fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, that that's kind of the deal there. I guess we should probably do some AOI standings because that yeah. So so Christian Greco won AOI. He did. Um, yeah. He's also won another tournament this year, I believe. Um, on the Harris chain. So, Christian Greco seems like he's pretty good. Yep. Um, yeah, things are ooh, happening. Speaking of which, i got to change his profile photo. Um, then, Valasinski finished second, 704 points. So, very close. Greco had 711. Sermon, 699. Nicholas Honig, I think, 685 in fourth. Um... And then Wendell Causey Jr. in 5th, 683. I read down to Wendell because, well, actually, I should probably read down to Sean Anderson in 6th, um, 672 from Leesville. Uh, I'm pretty sure all those guys will qualify for the pro circuit. Uh, Greco and Sermon, obviously, are already there. Um, I don't know how Sermon is doing it points this year though I, he may like need that qualification I, uh, I don't really question. you never can tell exactly how these things work to be honest uh, never yeah. mind he's 22nd in points this year he's doing great <laughs> um, boy, Serm yeah so big Serm crushing it uh, but anyway I'm pretty sure there. I, definitely some of those guys could pick up a uh, could pick up an invite uh, or could accept their invite and could be rookies to watch next year. So you're in the early the early look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a kind of outside of uh, Greco and Osinski. It was kind of a disastrous tournament for the leaders in AOI. Like I think uh, I think Brandon Medlock was second, and then. Um, Lee Stalvey was in first, and Stalvey dropped all the way down to 20th Oof. in points. Like, that is a big drop in one tournament, especially yeah. now if you're leading the thing. Um, but anyway, that's the Harris chain. All right. You want to give me some BFL stuff? Yeah, man. There was, uh, you know, I guess pretty common for this time of year, there was a pile of them. Uh, so I guess we'll kick it off with the volunteer division event. Uh, it was on Cherokee Lake. Bobby Drennan won it. Um, he had 17-15 and basically uh, caught them all in a shad spawn. Uh, had like all of that almost 18 pounds by 8 o'clock. He was a late boat draw, so he just started kind of close to takeoff. And... Uh, Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> uh, that was, uh, I guess, pretty short and sweet from that. I think he threw a homemade jig. Uh, and, yeah, kind of straightforward. But, you know, shout out to Shad Spawn tournaments where it goes down quick. Gotta love them. Uh, let's see. Close that one out. Let's move on. Buckeye Division got things rolling on Indian Lake. Michael Nesbitt won it uh, with a limit weighing 10 pounds, 3 ounces. Uh, so, you know, get hyped about fishing in Ohio, folks. Uh, he also caught him. You know, him, they had like 150 uh, boats in this one. 
Yeah, I thought they had a pretty big field. Yeah, people uh, were jazz to go fish Indian Lake. You know, good for them. Uh, Nesbitt says he's a big frog guy, but got to where he was wanted to frog fish, and there was tons of people there, so he just basically switched it over and threw a wacky rig and a swim bait. Uh, did catch one on the end of the day on a frog, uh, but basically he said a lot of fish were garden fry. And uh, that quote, all of my fish came on a spinning rod in the heavy vegetation. So, you know, that's one way to do it. But, you know, when you're five grand yeah. richer, of uh, because of it, you can't argue with it. Of the top 30, how many people do you think caught limits? Ooh, of the top 30? Yeah. Uh, 15. 26. Dang. There were only four guys who didn't have limits in the top 30. Yo, Indian Lake showing out. Dude, actually producing excellent numbers of fish. Of course, 29th place, four for 6-2. 30th, ah. five for 6-1. <laughs> Dude, there's an incredible, like there's multiple, there's a five pound limit for five fish. There's three five pound limits for five fish. Now these could have dead fish attached, so that could be an issue. But sure. like Dude, and yeah, man, there were a hundred they paid out to there hundred and twenty eighth was the last person who weighed. And then there's one, two, three like a bunch of dudes who blanked or just threw fish back. Golly. This is wild. Dang. It's amazing to me that people want to go to this lake. But Maybe hey, you should fish it. Maybe I will someday. Not. <laughs> um, Sorry, Indian Lake. I'll be less negative about you. <laughs> well, you know, maybe one day, maybe those fish will grow up, and uh, then you'll actually want to go fish it. Uh, I doubt it. They're killing all the grass in it right now. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. To be fair, there was, a tr- from what I can read, there was a truly incredible amount of grass in it prior to this. Like, it's... Indian Lake is undergoing some weird situations right now. Dang. It's like the whole thing was like covered with grass. You might have to get involved. Uh, but, you know, we can table that for the end of this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle that later. <laughs> um, moving along, Savannah River uh, had an event on Clark's Hill. Joe Anders won it uh, with 19 pounds, 12 ounces. Uh, he also got the Phoenix MLF bonus, so he got that extra seven grand. So he took home over eleven thousand dollars, which is uh, not too shabby for a BFL win. Um, Anders basically fished shallow, uh, threw a lot of stuff. Uh, he threw a Manly Custom Tackle Buzz Toad uh, with an Undertaker Bait Company fluke bait on it, I guess. Also threw a Mag Draft. Also threw an Evergreen JT ninety five. Uh, so a lot of shallow stuff sounds super cool uh, I'm guessing he just covered a bunch of water but it's the second BFL one of his career and he was pretty hyped about that so you know shout out to you Joe I love his jersey because I guess he's re- he's sponsored by I believe I guess the same moving company maybe it's his moving company but they have one segment that's Gamecock moving and the other segment that's Clemson moving, and I think that's incredible. <laughs> you got to appeal to to either crowd, you know. Like you yeah, don't want to miss out on stand. some business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, let's see what uh, what else am I got here? I got my BFLs all shuffled around. Oh, volunteer division. Uh, this was on Douglas. Uh, Travis Lilly won it with 16 pounds, 5 ounces. Um, basically said he fished whatever looked good, uh, but also a shad spawn. Um, caught him on a homemade jig, a Lake Fork flutter spoon, and a Z-Boss uh, Azuma crankbait. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and uh, it worked out. Also, he only won by like 3 ounces. Uh, you know who was in second? Corey Neese. Corey Neese. <laughs> the Corey Neese. Uh, so, you know, the hatless wonder keeps it rocking. Yeah, baby. Uh, 
let's see. Gosh, I keep clicking on the wrong dang thing. Uh, we had a Mountain Division event on Lake Cumberland. Uh, Jason Aikman won that one, 16 pounds, 5 ounces, 16.6, uh, something like that, 16.6. Uh, basically, 3.3 Kitek, the Swing Impact Fat, quarter ounce head. That's uh, how we caught some small mouse. Then he dragged a Carolina rig with a uh, speed craw on it, and super speed craw, so big pinchers. And, uh, yeah, that's basically how he caught his fish. Yeah, this tournament totally confused me. Yeah. Just reading the <laughs> reading how he caught his fish, I'm like, none of this makes sense, but whatever. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get sometimes in these uh, interviews from dudes. Yeah. Um, By the way, weights in this one terrible, dude. They it, tons of like tenth place. Pounds. Yeah, yeah. Like, did they have like a ten hour fog delay? Like, what's the deal? Like, Cumberland should be a little bit better than this. Probably what the deal is is all the smallmouth that spawned like a while ago, and they're basically impossible to catch. And but still, the largemouth fishing should be a little. I don't get it. <laughs> like, I uh, I know Cumberland gets really bad in the summer, but I didn't think it got really bad this fast. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I guess the final one is the uh, Great Lakes Division on the Mississippi River, and uh, none other than Mister Cade Loffenberg won yet another BFL. Uh, also, Cade took home the Phoenix MLF bonus, so he took home over twelve thousand uh, dollars, and I believe that Phoenix he won in his regional win on the mississippi river correct i believe so so it's just the gift that keeps on giving uh for cade uh it's funny because uh, i saw going into this one uh we're friends on snapchat and he sent me some snaps of him putzing around in his little john boat like his little sneak river boat that i feel like a lot of guys that fish the mississippi river have something like that and uh, Mm -hmm. i'm like oh this is gonna be fun Turns out he actually caught smallmouths, uh, which usually when he's plunking around in that jumbo, he's trying to find some largemouth stuff. Wanted to start on some largemouth stuff. There was a dude there, so he scratched that, went and caught smallmouths, and uh, basically did it with a eighth ounce jig head and a uh, Strike King Menace Grub. And uh, fished it in the current, cast it towards the bank, bring it back in. Uh, on a lot of those seams, you'll have fish kind of in all stages of the spawn, especially uh, this time of year so he caught a pile of uh pile of fish and ultimately took home the w i never said the weight but he had 17 3 uh which is like pretty good i guess for this time of year not as good as i thought it would be like the weights in this one too were a little lower uh i know they're dealing with like a uh, little bit of higher water and i don't know how much that really affected it but uh yeah either way Cade got another win and uh caught smallmouth so hard to beat Cade's uh, pretty dialed in there hey I think maybe you missed a BFL on Cherokee Lake yo did we talk about that uh I did talk about Cherokee early on I did miss one on Dardanelle though the Arky division um Uh. which Brandon Lee won he had 17 pounds 7 ounces um he also caught some fish on a shad spawn. Uh, booyah pad crasher, in case you're curious. Then I feel like also in Dardanelle fashion, switched over, started throwing a booyah mobster swim jig uh, with a yum craw trunk trailer, half ounce, swimming that bad boy around and uh, caught some more fish. And I think that is super Dardanelle of him to do. Uh, he also says he Isn't fished around the, like the mid lake area and never turned his graph on all day, which is fun. So isn't the dart color, isn't that black? That's what I thought. We're, we're going to attack. We're on tack warehouse. Right. Yeah, it's black. Anyway, I don't know why he's throwing a black frog on a shad spawn. This is something new. Something we could... Yo, maybe it's Possibly like delve into. Maybe it's pressured fish, 
maybe he's colorblind. The opposite. <laughs> oh, hey, maybe. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> could be. Yeah. Have you seen this color, the aqua frog color? Aqua frog. I have not. Let me tell you, it is one of the prettiest looking frog colors I've ever seen. I'm on it. They have one frog color. It's called shad frog. The aqua frog color is gorgeous. It looks like it should be in like a little in a little mermaid or something. Oh I'm yeah, it's got me. like some scales. It's got. Like it looks some like a blue. rainbow trout. Yeah, got that purple on the side. Yeah, green head. It's got a little bit of everything going on. I don't. I wish more frog companies would make a green pumpkin frog. Um, yeah, you not really many don't. of them do. No. Which, like, you know, frogs and bluegills are green pumpkin. And Can bass be. love green pumpkin. Huge fans. It's like their yeah. favorite color. <laughs> Real big fans. <laughs> <laughs> like basically, green pumpkin and black and blue, like, they live and die by it. Anyway. Huh. But I think that then officially wraps up uh, BFLs. Nice. Well, Kyle, I think we did it. There probably were some other tournaments, but we won't get into them here. <laughs> no, like, that's that's a pretty good catch-up anyway. And really, that's kind of like a, uh, you know, we're coming into Memorial Day weekend, and the tournaments kind of start to slow down a little. Like, right, we're in that time of year where, uh, you can actually maybe follow along a little easier uh, because it's not quite as in your face, you know, two Toyota series stacked on top of each other, Bass Pro Tours and uh, Pro Circuit events going on back to back to back to back. So uh, also it's going to be a good time of year to fish if you live up north. So things are working out. Yeah, well, you know, that, <clears throat> that good time of year to fish if you live up north is particularly notable because... It's uh, fully tournament season in the north as of uh, June 11th, so we're getting there, baby. Heck Um, yeah. Which uh, should be exciting and fun and yada yada. Um, But yeah, I don't don't really particularly have anything else that we talk about. Um, I will talk about Bama a little bit, I guess. I kind of just left it on the agenda because always on the agenda um what you should do is you should continue to bug phil scott uh continue to bug folks at the dec continue to bug julie moore uh she's the head of the agency of natural resources um if there's still time to come before the dec issues a draft permit the lba lbap LBPT, they're, they are both very unlikely to, you know, withdraw their permit application. So it's kind of, I'm not going to say it comes down to the state denying the permit because they're, we will continue to explore all options. But the best solution is for the state to deny the permit. And the best solution for that that we know of is to continue to apply pressure. We have done almost all we can do locally from a you know, municipality perspective, all the towns around the lake are against it. There is actually another random town in Vermont this week, either Shrewsbury or Sudbury. I think Shrewsbury. Yeah, Shrewsbury. Fun name. That, yeah, they're, uh, they're, uh, their select board wrote a letter in opposition of, uh, herbicide use in nice. Vermont waters. Um, I don't even know where Shrewsbury is. One second. Let me find out. Because I have a feeling it's not actually particularly local to Bama. Um, Shrewsbury, Vermont. Oh, yeah. Not at all. Oh, no. It's over in Rutland. It sort of is. Uh, so they're they're related. Um, I've heard that a couple of towns in the Northeast Kingdom might follow suit. Um, and, uh, I'm going to get the process going here in Shaftesbury. We don't have really any lakes, but, you know, why not get, you know, yeah, why, why not? not, baby? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I would say if you can work locally, feel free. Otherwise, bug some state officials because 
they should say no. There's no there's there's no reason they really realistically can say yes, but the DEC has typically approved these things, so we got to keep our bases covered. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um but I'm very hopeful, but cautiously so. Understandable. Um and I guess that's it, other than just my constant sadness. <laughs> oh, yeah. I suppose uh, if anyone's still listening, we should probably tell them uh, what I'm up to. Yeah, Kyle. Let's say more about how you're abandoning me. <laughs> I am leaving Jody <laughs> to fend for himself. And, uh, yeah, I took, a, uh, I took a new position outside of Major League Fishing. Uh, I'm going to work working for... Working for the NPFL. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually starting my own tournament league, uh, the Woodrow Invitational, and uh, it's I just have consi- I did two consider starting some tournaments. I haven't actually, but I thought it. You know, it could be lucrative, dude. A lot of people are fishing bass tournaments lately, dude. A lot of people are fishing. Now, what if we started like a 39 hours type tournament? You've got my attention, Kyle. Can <laughs> like, we podcast what? about it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, I'm in then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, you and I, we can we can get uh, get together on on putting some notes down for a tournament circuit. But no, I'm actually uh, not working in the tournament fishing realm. Uh, I'll be working for Rapala uh, as a product manager. Uh, so still going to be in the industry. Still get to interact with you guys. Still get to interact with a lot of people I've come to know over the years. But, uh, yeah, my time as a uh, dude that covers tournaments has come to an end. A very uh, sad end. For now. For uh, now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if, uh, like, anyone breaks the bill off of a DT6, they should complain to you? sure yeah absolutely (laughs) yep all right fire fire hit me up on instagram okay so on that note can you make the vmc hooks that have the uh the spinner blade on them can you make them like a little bit thinner wire and just like a little better i think uh i think we can look into that for you i'll look into it (laughs) All right, because I'd like that. Because the decoy ones, like, I love them, but they're kind of expensive. Oh, sure, sure. Um, anyway, that was my only, that's my only quibble. Other than that, Kyle, you've already fulfilled my wildest dreams. It's been the pleasure of my life working alongside you. Man, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a riot. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll still get to interact. I know I'll still, uh, uh, look forward to getting texts from you on, like, tournament mornings. Uh, oh, I can tell you about the weather at the James if you want at four in the morning. Yeah, Would you like please that? do. <laughs> okay, please do. <laughs> Keep me posted, man. Um, I may remove also, group me, uh, so I may not be in the uh, you know the group messages. Uh, but I'll uh, still welcome any Jody texts about that tournament life. Kyle, get this. I don't think we're going to need to use group me anymore. Oh, dang! Because. I think that we might have graduated out of the land of Android phones. I you realized this when I was talking with Mason earlier this morning. I was like, holy smokes. I found a silver <laughs> lining. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah, Pace and I were like the only two that were really uh, bringing you guys down. Yeah. I still don't know if I like it enough, though. I don't think it's a tra- – It's a. am really not sure it's a worthwhile trade-off. But <laughs> – survive i guess um there's something else i was thinking of a second ago but i guess i forgot it but anyway kyle i wish you well i will you know probably i've decided to start pronouncing rapala the way you say it in your honor (laughs) i i appreciate it man (laughs) i'm not admitting it's the correct way (laughs) Yeah, you're just um, doing it out of it's a kind gesture. It's a, I'm doing it out of respect. For yeah, you. yeah, okay. Um, That's and I appreciate that. I will slip occasionally, but I look forward to years of success uh, with you at Rapala. Um, 
and uh, I mean, have fun with, you know, you get to continue to work with Jacob Wheeler, which I know is one of your primary objectives. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, I, I got to keep some things, you know, similar in life. And if that's the bridge, that's the bridge. You know what I mean? No doubt about it. You should get Ott to take you fishing up one of those rivers. That looks fun. I think uh, that's a thing you should finagle now. Yeah, I mean, I gotta. I, I think I could probably make that happen. Uh, yeah, it's like, yo, Ott, let me, show me about these baits. Also, show me way up this river, please. I also want Polinick to show me some of them smallmouths out, out in Idaho. Coeur d'Alene. You can do that without him. True. You got this. You should go to him for the trouts. I hear he's got them dialed in. Dude, I do love trouts. <laughs> I mean, look at me. Trout's expert. I've got <laughs> trouts the last two times I went fishing. <laughs> I, yeah, and you told me uh, you told me that I need to bring a hair jig uh, if I go uh, stream fishing trout uh, and kind of give me the setup. So, yeah, you're really my authority for trout. No, you're looking for someone who knows about trout. Look no further. <laughs> I got them trouts yeah. dialed. Lake trouts, stream trouts, you name it. <laughs> um, All kinds of trouts. Yeah, basically. I want to go and ca- I want to catch some grayling. I want to go to the Arctic. Do that. Ooh, that that'd be cool. Fun. Yeah. Uh, but big ones. They don't. I, they don't catch big ones that I've seen. I, I, I want to catch wherever you can catch big ones is where I want to go. So maybe that, maybe I don't want to catch grayling that badly. <laughs> uh. But anyway, Kyle, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for coming on. For folks listening, I would say that I'm not saying the podcast is definitely dead, but I don't think that you should expect like definitely a regular the podcast to continue very regularly, and probably not regularly with like Jody and a co-host would be my guess. Unless you uh, uh, are like, unless we can keep. If I can be a special guest host from time to time. If you want to continue to special guest host, then yes, we will continue to probably do more episodes. Um, and who knows? You know, we I, I went through with Joel your, the app, like the, the job posting for like when we have, you know, Kyle 2.0. And maybe that person, maybe we'll vibe really well. Maybe we'll podcast again. Hey. I'm not sure. Never say never. On that note, though, folks, if you want to work here, Kyle doesn't now, so we need somebody else to. Possibly more than one other person. So, you know, <laughs> get at us. Really, Big shoes actually, to fill. Don't just look at the, I mean, I guess you can bug me about it. Or Kyle. Bug Kyle. Uh, but what you yeah, can do me. is, you know, it'll be like on the wet, on the careers page or whatever, and you can like go there and bam. You know, apply. Do all the things. Um, I don't think it's there yet, but, you know, eventually it will be. But anyway. Keep your, keep your eyes posted. Keep your eyes yeah. peeled for the posting. That's what I meant. Yeah, and Kyle loved his job at all points in times. It was never frustrating. It was always a light, minimal amount of work. And he was <laughs> very well compensated throughout. It's just, hey. they gave him <laughs> 7 million crankbaits, and he had to say yes. You can't say no to free crankbaits. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, for real, like, if anyone is listening, uh, it is a pretty fun place to work. Uh, and Jody's a, Jody's a fun guy. Plus, then you can uh, – we need someone really to babysit Rob. That's kind of what it boils down to. We need someone to be a semi-father figure to Rob Matsura. Uh, yes. So take if that you, into account when you apply. If you, And if you have boat parking and electricity, it's <laughs> even better. Better. <laughs> The yeah, then you're, thing, you're for sure in, man. <laughs> if you can back a trailer, that's huge because Joe Sills can. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also Justin can't, so it puts you in rarefied air already. And <laughs> ideally, you should like Mexican food because Rob doesn't, and I like to get on his nerves about things from time to time. Yeah, yep. But if you meet uh, all that you, criteria, yeah. you're in. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see, folks. Um, podcast at majorleaguefishing.com if you want to send us an email Kyle is Kyle Lumber on Instagram he's turning it over into a crankbait only and snap jig only uh, feed <laughs> um, no turkeys allowed never 
Um, that was one of the biggest things. He started to work at Rapala, and I mean Rapala, and they were like, "Wow, you can't turkey hunt anymore. We don't sell any turkey guns." But <laughs> it's real tough. Big big loss for him. It um, is. And uh, MajorLeagueFishing.com for tournaments and stuff. But hey, no tournaments this weekend, Kyle. Zero. Woo. I was like, I don't care. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm still technically employed through the weekend, so I do care. All right. Well, anyway, Kyle, guess what? No tournaments this weekend. Check it out. It's going to be great. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Well, I know you're going to crush some fish, and uh, I think uh, with that, we probably get this bad boy wrapped up, let you get to rigging that boat, and uh, I got to get uh, tending to my kid who's waking up from a nap. So uh, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. And until next time, see ya.